Welcome to the Brothers in Armchairs podcast. We are three friends brought together through our years of military service who share a common interest in movies and pop culture. I'm your host, Kenny, and with me always are my brothers, Arnez and Dell. Let's take a quick minute each to give our audience a little background on ourselves. Hey, my name is Kenny. Uh, I have uh, been into movies pretty much my entire life. I love the 80s. That's my favorite part of the movies in terms of like what decade I like the best. Been wanting to do this podcast for a very long time. I've been wanting to be able to share, you know, my love of movies with others, be able to have, you know, discussions regarding movies and TV and all kinds of other pop culture. So this is a lifelong dream of mine to finally get to do this. Hello, everybody. It's Dell. For me, it all started back back in the day. My family took me to go watch Star Wars, the original Star Wars in Cinerama Theater in downtown Honolulu. All the old Hawaii people will remember where that was. Uh, but, you know, going to the movies, that was the first real movie experience that I remember and the first movie in the theater that I remember. And I, I just I loved it so much. I loved the experience. Uh, everything about entertainment value of going to the movie, standing in line, getting the popcorn and all that stuff. And from that point forward, I was hooked. As I got older, I was able to take myself to the movies, obviously. And then year after year, just being a movie junkie. I'm so definitely loving this adventure, guys. Hey, everybody. It's Arnaz there. I'm the oldest of the bunch there. And I had an opportunity to see movies in many different forms. Back in the day on beta, VHS, Laser disc, CD, disc, and I think now we're down to downloads. So I'm really looking forward to this podcast that we're doing and enjoyed every moment of it. Hey, Arnaz, what do you think the next level of movie watching will be? I'm thinking we may get to a point where we're doing it kind of like on Star Trek, where it would be hologrammed. Maybe uh-huh. a more 4D or 5D or 6D or something like that. I don't know. I can totally see that. Well, for today's show, we're going to start off by sharing some of the more interesting movie and pop culture news happening right now. Then we're going to talk a little bit about one of the movies we covered last week. And to finish, we'll cover three newer movies that are available for streaming. An action, a drama, and a horror. But before all that, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that. And I would also like to thank all those people that downloaded our first episode and giving us a chance to come into the living rooms and while they're driving. I'm going to start off first with some news that I've got. I want to talk a little bit about a Kickstarter documentary that has gone up called In Search of Tomorrow. It is an 80s documentary that centers around science fiction movies. I'm a huge 80s buff. And so for me, when I saw this come up on Kickstarter, I got super excited and it was definitely something that I wanted to talk about. Uh, The documentary is going to be probably about four hours long when everything's said and done. They're going to interview some stars and directors and special effects crew and everything else like that from movies from the 80s. And since they are movies from my childhood, some of those movies I would very much like to hear some of the background on. So they're going to go over things like RoboCop, Last Starfighter, Star Trek II, uh, probably even Star Trek V would be my guess, which is probably the worst Star Trek movie of all time. <laughs> but for me, this this definitely hits home. It is the perfect documentary for any 80s fan. I think they're going to do a really good job. Some of the poster artwork that they're going to give away in the Kickstarter campaign looks amazing. So I'm very excited to see how this turns out. And hey, it's Arnez there. I recently uh, saw an episode of uh, an interview with Gary Sinise. He's the actor who played Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. And he was recently, I think February, March, he was awarded the Honored uh, Patriot Award for his work with the military. And he's done a lot of charity work, fundraisers, and you name it with the military there. And I didn't realize how much he was into doing work for the military until after I saw that interview. And I didn't realize that he was, that motivated him just doing that movie as Lieutenant Dan. I mean, the way I see it is, you know, I give him a salute for doing a job well done. He's not one of the big name actors, but he is, he does have a nice size fortune and he wants to give back to the military. Hand salute, Lieutenant Dan. I think the way he leveraged his fame into that role he played on Forrest Gump and then turned it into this just driving force of fundraising and entertaining the troops and whatnot. It's just incredible. It is. And one of the things he said was that he didn't realize how much military had done. And, you know, he heard about it and he read things and stuff, but just setting up for that role, he got more in depth to it and realized that really gave the ultimate sacrifice. So he wants to get back. All right. On my piece of the news, I'm kind of deep diving. It's news. It's movie ish. It's pop culture ish. It's off the Twitter feed. One of our one of the people we follow is James Gunn. But one of James Gunn's fans tweeted him and asked him a question. How do you guys handle the hate on social media? And James Gunn initially replied, which, you know, we're always thinking, okay, he's going to reply or if he replies, it's nice. He went on to send eight consecutive tweets, deep diving an answer, putting it in a personal perspective, a very heart to heart answer. I thought for him replying to a fan 
in that manner is just so incredible. It shows a lot of his character. So I'm just going to read the first tweet reply. James Gunn, I care what my family and friends think of me. More importantly, I care about my own assessment of myself. Am I being the best person I can be? But I've learned that the assessments of people who don't know anything about me says a lot more about them than it does about me. And he goes on about seven more tweets expanding on that thought, that mantra, revealing how he stays grounded with both positive and negative social media pressures, comments, trolls, and the like, and so on and so forth. So very interesting stuff. If you do follow him on Twitter, and if you don't, check him out. Look for that string. That That is an impressive thing to read. Re- will really make your day better. He actually interacted with you on Twitter, didn't he? You actually got an opportunity to, to get uh, some conversation with him, didn't you? Very little, very little. He he actually is super busy on Twitter. I would I would imagine that's his th- probably number one platform. But he does reply to a lot of fans' questions. Very impressive. So go ahead, do a little discussion from uh, last week's episode. Did uh, any of you guys have an opportunity to watch any of the movies that we oh, discussed? Oh, oh, yep, 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 yep. Come yep. on, let's hear it, Dale. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. I had it as a pause. This was Arnez's pick from last week. Yeah. And he, and he ended up watching it. You calm down there, champ. Kenny ended up watching it and he convinced he did not intentfully convince me but he did convince me to watch it and so I went ahead and watched Forbidden World on Amazon Prime it was 1982 horrible it is 2020 horrible (laughs) guys that is a horrible movie I mean it was awesome what are you talking about it was awesome okay let me let me throw out some creds to this thing all right I looked it up I gave it its due they spent a million dollars to make this movie and they made it super, super fast. They ended up making four million in the box office. So for the people who made this movie, it was a win. And this was their campy follow-up to the movie Alien. That's what they did. But they made three million bucks off this thing. And then Arnez, the reason why it sounded familiar when I was watching it is because the director, Alan Holzman, he used footage from another movie that he had been a part of, The Battle Beyond the Stars, which came out two years earlier, which was the science fiction retell of, what was it, The Magnificent Seven. And so they made a bunch of money off that, and then they wanted to save money on this one. So they actually stole direct footage right from that other movie and put it right in this one. The sound of the shooting, the sound of the spaceships, the whole- What about that music? Soundtrack. Yeah, they, they took it all. They took it all. So did you, did you want to hum a few bars? Actually, you know what? The, the move, the music itself. <laughs> what even the music itself was horrible. I mean, oh, when you oh, saw Roger Corman production, was, you knew what you were getting into. But Arnez I mean, said, Arnez said this movie was on the this music was on the radio. I'm pretty sure he said that. Uh, no, you asked me, have I heard any on the radio? And I said, yes. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, you did. Oh, lies. <laughs> no. It was a lie. <laughs> so I, I took Arnez's recommendation. And I remember after we went over and I was like, this sounds like a play for me. I actually went in and I bought it. Like I watched it on Amazon Prime. I loved it so much that I bought it. It is incredibly bad, but it's so bad that it's good. Thank I you. Can't, I Thank can't you. fathom how you could not at least have fun watching it. How, I mean, much did it, of, how much did you pay for it? I want to say nine ninety nine. So this movie made so. four million and nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh, that is the total know, tally. Of, well, we know <laughs> yeah, nine dollars right. ninety nine cents. Guys like Kenny are still buying it. Hey, Kenny, I mean, it's also, a cheese ball fun movie. My wife it is. space porn. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to think about it. It's made in the early eighties. You got to give them credit. And you this know, goes uh, back to my Kickstarter thing, Dell. They don't make movies like this anymore. They don't. They don't, they don't make silly science fiction movies. At all anymore. Unless you, you count like it. Code 8 that we was like. <laughs> well, Code 8 was trying desperately to be serious as well. <laughs> so maybe in 40 years we'll be reviewing that movie. <laughs> but you're there saying, you go. You're saying it like we should, we should have this style of movie now. Yeah, this grindhouse yes. type. They didn't movie. mean yes. for it to be cheesy or comical. I would imagine that's how some it was of the best just, movies get made. Because they thought they, they were trying. <laughs> he was trying to save a buck. That's Look, how the Kenny. best stuff gets made is they try, it it fails, and becomes a cult classic. There you yeah, go. That's true. All right, Kenny, I'll, I'll sell you the Blu-ray then because <laughs> if you watch the Blu-ray, allegedly there's a, there's a comedy cut of this movie on the Blu-ray. I guess the original, the director, Holzman, he wanted – comedy in the movie itself and the producer cut all the comedy out to keep it serious 
So what we saw was serious. Was serious? Serious. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was. They were trying, man, and that's the crazy part about this movie. All right, Look. I gotta, I gotta tell you my favorite scene, Del. I mean, come on, I gotta oh, tell I got you it. my favorite Let's scene. This whole if this was supposed to be serious, the communication scene. You remember this scene? <laughs> it was like <laughs> with the alien. And yeah. yeah. So the alien's gonna use a keyboard. Like the aliens, like they're talking to him on this like Apple II computer, you <laughs> right? know, that you used to play Hangman on, and they're having this conversation. <laughs> and the little beastie thing is sitting there on the edge of the table. He's got the big teeth. He's all like me, and he's all like tick 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 tick, and he's answering the questions. And then suddenly she asks a question, and you see his tail move down, and none of these people move. Like she just stands there looking at. It. She's like, "What's this tail? What's going on?" It's just, "Are you?" Is this a sign? Is this for food? Me, right? For sex? And then suddenly, ah! the thing eats her alive. It was so funny. I literally laughed out loud when I saw that, though. I mean, come on. It was horrible. Yeah. I love the scream scenes in there. The young women just, like every 10 minutes, ah! so horrible. Everything about this movie this is horrible. This guy, this the hero of this movie. I mean, come on. This hey, guy he's is, a stud in the movie. This guy is Creeperville 2000. Come on. <laughs> what, what the heck were they? I mean, even for that day, I would assume he was still a creeper. I mean, there's, <laughs> the 80s, they, were, they were trapped on a space station. He was the first new guy to get there in a long time. They were <laughs> yeah. all like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so, so you're space born? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure that'll sell a few folks out there. It's like Cinemax, basically. Cinemax late night. <laughs> hey, yeah, watching it. I, while I'm watching it, I'm trying to figure out ways to get back at you. So one of my recommendations <laughs> in the future will probably be one of those. Hey, we may end up liking it. You never know. Yeah, you probably will end up liking it. <laughs> well, let's talk about some new movies that are available for streaming. And to kick it off, we'll start with an action choice, which should be of no surprise. It's the movie Extractions, directed by Sam Hargrave and starring Chris Hemsworth and is available on Netflix. A black market mercenary who has nothing to lose is hired to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. But in the murky underworld of weapons dealers and drug traffickers, an already deadly mission approaches the impossible. I thought it was just awesome. I loved it. I thought it was an amazing film. <laughs> I thought it was, it's very John Wicky. I enjoyed the fact that it was just constant in-your-face action and hooks you from the moment it starts doesn't really it doesn't let up until the end and it's a it's a quick hour and a half i think it's only like 96 minutes long yeah i mean the movie went by really yeah. fast it is a very fast-paced movie however unlike our older action movies and even john wick where the action is consistent and it doesn't slow down and it keeps moving forward this this one kind of sidetracked me a little right in the middle right we got a lot of action and then it it slowed down really, really slow for about 10, 15 minutes. And then it oh, flipped yeah, the switch yeah. back on. And so for me, that slowdown I enjoyed, that kind of changed it for me. That was a game changer. So changed it for good for you? I'm, I'm... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, so, so the, the scene I'm talking about is when Hemsworth character, he's in the safe house with the, with the kid, right? His okay. hostage-ish kid. Right. And then they have this like heart to heart moment where the kids pestering him with questions. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, if this is Arnold. He'd probably throw the kid out the window or something. But <laughs> instead, it turns into a heart to heart open conversation where we get a little deep dive into him's character. He starts to talk about personal stuff, the past and, you know, how that kind of affects affects him, affected him as a person, as a human being. And we see this whole human side of this character for the first time in this movie. And I liked it. I was getting a lot more of the the history of this guy and what made him the way he is. And then as I'm really enjoying this conversation, everything just flips back over and we're back to action and we just keep running. For me, I just didn't get enough. I wanted more of that and I wanted more insight and I wanted more deep diving into that character because it was interesting. It was interesting enough. Hemsworth puts that, I mean, he really puts on a great performance. I felt like I was kind of getting robbed when the action came back. So the the movie, and there's no way of escaping this movie's going to get compared to John Wick because of the because of the style of action that it has. So in the movie John Wick, you get your slowdown piece at the beginning, right? Correct. Where you get yes. your 
where, you know, where he's introduced to the dog and, you know, you're introduced to his, his history, his life. Would you say that the John Wick movie does it better? Because from the moment that action starts in John Wick, it doesn't let up. This movie did the same thing. You just got your paws in the middle. So would you say that better or worse than John Wick, the first one? I like it better than John Wick style, right? Because it, it starts, it starts slow. We get that, we get that character deep dive. They, they talk about him in the third person. We see what he's doing in his life at current, right? We see the pain that he's going through having lost his wife. And so that first, what, 20 minutes of John Wick, it's kind of slow, but it's meant to be that way to give us all that we need to know about this character and the world he lives in and where his pain comes from. And then once they like that fuse, boom, we're off to the races and we don't slow down. That's why I really enjoyed that John Wick movie. This one was to me because so much of it was action in the beginning all the way to the middle that I already was in that action mode. We're watching an old Arnold movie or a Rambo movie of some sort where it just keeps going and going and going and you get your, you, you get your aggression on, right? Right. But, but then it slowed down. And the problem was I liked that slowdown. I liked it so much that I wanted more of it and I didn't get it. And that's where I was kind of disappointed. Well, I, mean, I have to say, I mean, I kind of see where you're coming from, but um, if you're looking for action movies, this is action. I mean, it's a gauntlet style fight scenes galore. I mean, although I can see the similarity between this movie and John Wick there, I think the fighting style in this movie was more natural. It was more more believable. Really? Yeah. No, there, I, there, I would there, disagree. There's an argument to be made that, and I, I use the term superpowers a lot, just because of the fact that a lot of the old Arnold movies, he had this implied superpower, right? Uh-huh. Like in the movie Commando, I mean, he's out in the middle of the lawn, he sits down and they all fall down. You know what I mean? He had that kind of superpower where everybody was shooting at him. Nobody could hit him. I would say that in this movie, he has a little bit of that where nobody really seems to be able to hit him. Oh, they hit him in this movie. You don't remember? At the end? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, in the well, he did have a bulletproof vest on too. Oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> so you know, yeah. you never know if they hit right. him and he's, he's still going. So, right. So I like the old owners Arnold style movies, but I'm going to go with the fact that I agree with Dell. It's not quite as realistic with the fact that nobody can hit him. So I, I would say John Wick is probably a little bit more realistic in yeah. terms of the fights. And you know, in this movie, he's not dealing with rebel commando or whatnot. He's dealing with military and police. And these are supposed to be people who have been trained to shoot, trained to kill, right? Uh, have you ever and, it, and it doesn't seem like any of them can hit the side of a barn. It's pretty bad. Well, I have to say, just because you're in the military or in the police department doesn't mean you can shoot. I mean, don't, don't, unfortunately, I know somebody who did unfortunately you and I are, are we're kind of in agreement on that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 okay, okay. But if we get if we get a hundred policemen together. I'm pretty sure a significant portion of them can shoot a gun. So you're saying that if you had 100 Arneses and Kens out there with weapons, we'd eventually hit something. Yes. The odds alone. <laughs> the odds now, alone. Is that a moving are, target or is still be target? in your favor. At least one of those 10,000 bullets would hit its target. It might have had to ricochet off a pot or something, but it would hit the target. <laughs> well, can we just say, can we agree on this? It was just simple in nature of the the plot behind it that allowed the action to take center stage. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think it was a very simple plot. Yeah. Uh, I, and it was just to kind of give some background on the movie. It was originally an idea written by Joe and Anthony Russo. And then it was a script was written by Andy Parks. It was entitled See You Dad. And then it became a graphic novel later. From about 2014, this movie has been kind of languishing in Hollywood hell. Originally, Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached to star in it. He was just coming off of Sabotage, and he wound up passing on it. And then eventually Netflix bought the script, and then that's how we got Chris Hemsworth. But I do agree, it's a very simple plot, which is kind of one of the things I like about it. Some of the best action movies in the world, to me, were very simple. I mean, look at Jean-Claude Van Damme made a living off of it. You know, he killed his brother. You know, kidnapped his girl. Yep. Yeah, it was super simple. And all we really cared about was Jean-Claude Van Damme flying through the air with kicks. 
That's so, it. <laughs> so, there's a part of me that really believes that what you got was a throwback movie. I think ultimately it's a throwback movie. And what I'd really like to know is like from, from the three of you guys on a rewatchable level, because those Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies are very rewatchable. You could sit down and watch Commando, Running Man, Raw Deal. These all are very rewatchable movies. How do you guys feel about it in terms of like being able to sit down and rewatch this movie? Do you, I mean, does it have the same excitement that those other movies hold? I mean, I, I have to say, absolutely. I could rewatch this movie over. It would get my adrenaline pumping. I think next year, five years down the road, I think this will be a classic action movie to watch. I don't know. For me, I, I might, I'm going to have to say that, that I've watched it and I'm good with the one-time watch. I, I can't see myself watching this thing again. I will watch if they make a number two and maybe even a number three, but I'm not saying I'm going to rewatch those either. I think from a rewatchable standpoint, I enjoyed it, but Dell, I'm actually kind of hoping they don't make a two and three. And while I, I did read online that it got greenlit for a part two, I hope it does not star rakes Chris Hemsworth because I like the way this movie ended. And I like the throwback to how he, the blurry vision type thing, right? When he's on the edge of death, he can see his son finally. But throughout the entire movie, it's just been this blurry image of his son that just keeps him going. And he keeps hoping that one day that image is going to come clear again. And then right on the precipice of death, that's when he can see his son. And so I kind of got the same impression at the end of this movie when the kid's getting out of the water and you can see a blurry rake in the background. I mean, yeah, you could make the assumption that, oh, he's alive. He's, you know, come back to get the kid. But I took from that that he's become this kid's guardian angel. And this huh. kid won't be actually able to see him again until he dies. Or he's that close is, that yeah. is really interesting. You know, I, I didn't feel that way a little while ago. I do now. <laughs> that that's no man that's good stuff you sold me i like it it's better than what i was thinking now i like the ending even better well i so want I, a two i agree with you Dell. i want a two two and three and as far as i'm concerned they left it open to where yeah i mean granted what you said but he could he could still be alive yeah uh, well I, I know when we were talking earlier kenny you had mentioned that you didn't particularly care for how the drug dealer died oh the guy that runs the town the, the yeah. hans gruber yeah. of the movie yeah <clears throat> yeah so my issue with that it was just because of the fact i thought if you were going to make a sequel it made more sense for the son eight years later to hire somebody to go take him out and i think but, that would make it a more interesting sequel so to me son, having the girl do it at the end it, I, this guy deserved a bigger death scene than the afterthought in my opinion mm -hmm. I, I still enjoyed it i still thought it was good and i still liked what happened i think i just this guy's been such a bad guy i mean hans gruber got thrown out of a building much more dramatic ending Bennett got uh, a pipe thrown through his body. I don't body. know, man. I don't know about dramatic ending, but that's a pretty horrible way to die. <laughs> yeah. Right? But he decided, I mean, to me, he deserved a more purposeful death. I, I feel like the way he got it in the end, I would have driven more satisfaction out of that had he been, had the kid decided to take revenge in like the sequel. So my take was that that he his purpose was served by showing how much Helmsworth's, I don't know what you would call her, agent. I don't know what she is, but she's basically the coordinator of the team Yes, because she was the one who did it. It showed how personal it was for her to kill the guy. It wasn't business. This was completely personal and it showed how much she cared about the Hemsworth character. So I think his that's what that was his purpose. It was. And as Kenny, as I was trying to mention earlier, is, is that, I mean, throughout the movie, you kind of get the sense the kid didn't want to do have anything to do with that illegal business that his father was into. So that's why I would say, and I was thinking in my head there, why would the kid come back to kill him when he doesn't want anything to do with that type of lifestyle? I mean, I think it depends on which direction you think this kid winds up going in, right? Does this kid take advantage of the fact that Rake saved his life and he goes to make something of himself and he becomes a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of, you know, big thing like that? Or does he wind up embracing who he is and trying to use his power for maybe well, more good instead of evil? I, th I think by the kid not being the one to turn to violence and repeat his father's mistakes. It's the tri that's the tribute to the Hemsworth character. Yeah. That's the tribute to his sacrifice that he does go on and live a better life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could buy off on that. I was just thinking a better sequel, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I really don't want a sequel, so I'm okay with the way it <laughs> but, is. You know, and, and based on what we just talked about, if, if this is the, if this is the wrap up of that movie, yeah, I think we're good. We can stop now, and but I mean, it'll be another one, but it'll be like like all those other movies where they had a sequel, but it wasn't really a sequel. It was just another story. Yeah. Did you know like, a movie like Midnight Run had three sequels? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and like, I never even heard of any of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a reason why each movie is different. Out of curiosity, in your opinions, do you guys think it would have been better or worse with Arnold in the role? And keep in mind, this is 2014 Arnold. 
He's coming off of Sabotage, Terminator, Genesis, and Maggie. So that's so that's I, where he is in his career. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like old Arnold. Yeah. Old Arnold's got grit. Old Arnold looks like he's been there. He's, I mean, he really does look human after all. I like old Arnold, and I think an old Arnold in this movie would have worked that it had to tone it down a bit because there's no way he could do the physical things that Hemsworth's character <laughs> did. But they'd have to tone it down, but it would have worked. I think the style of action movie that Arnold gives us, it would have worked. And for me, obviously, that might have been a better movie for me. Oh, I have to disagree. I think Arnold would have taken it in a different direction. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for this movie, I think it, they were lucky that he did not accept the role and it moved on to Chris. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you want to see him, though, rip the door off a, a Cadillac or something and beat somebody to death with it? I mean, I just, I, I like old Arnold, too, but I feel even even if you tailor the action down, you'd still get a ton of action. I mean, he's just, yeah. I mean, he could, he's still big. I mean, he's not like super bodybuilder big anymore, but he's still a big man. It's a guy... Right ripped a hand dryer off of a, <laughs> off a wall and beat a terrorist to death with it. You know I mean? I, I, I'd be okay with this. You know? <laughs> I mean, the, I mean the problem, Dale said it though, he's older. I mean, I just don't see him going through the town like that, running through it up the stairs, the building and stuff. But, and so you even think, but when you pace. think about, when you think about an old mercenary or an old veteran or somebody who has been there and done that, somebody who has more pain than anyone can even fathom, old Arnold looks like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He looks right, like he that guy. Now, I can't say that Arnold in this the heart-to-heart scene would have even done it as well as Chris Hemsworth, but I would say minus that scene, it might have been a better movie with Arnold. I think it would have been a different movie. So It would, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have done good in the movie, Kenny. I'm just saying been a, it would have been a different direction for me. Uh, hey, there's there's our Extraction 2 star. Yeah, uh, uh, he might be too old now. <laughs> I saw him in that Terminator Dark Fate. I mean, he had to wear a lot of makeup. Hey, he was still looking all right. Yeah, that's a lot of makeup, right. <laughs> special yeah, okay. effects. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's be, I think a lot of it is because of our age that we're still very pro Arnold movie. I, I, I'd be curious yeah. what to, to think what young people think of our old action stars well i think hemsworth is probably if you were going to pick an action star of today he was the right fit but i mean let's let's not lie keanu reeves is not that much younger than arnold is i think he's got what 10 years arnold's got like 10 years on him or something 10 years makes a difference i don't think keanu's that old (laughs) i don't know i think last i looked keanu was in his late 50s oh wow well, for the speed of this action, you definitely would have needed somebody like Hemsworth. And that, you know, just the, the knife fight scene, the, yes. the shooting. Oh, incredible. Incredible choreography. Keanu Reeves is 56 years old. Oh, okay. So young. That's like 20 years on Arnold. Yeah, Arnold is uh, Arnold's pushing pushing 80. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but pushing 80. Yeah. Hey, Terminator, don't die. Get him a new battery. All right. For all you Keanu Reeves fans out there, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I personally feel like it was a really good movie, but there's there's definitely something to be said if we had if we had changed the ending. Let's go around the horn. Play pass or pause on this movie. I'm definitely gonna give it just for the action alone a play. I am gonna go with pause. This is a for me. It's a one time watch. I don't see me watching it over and over or even one more time. Um, oh, it's a pause for me. I'm gonna give it a play. I, I really enjoyed go. it. It does have some rewatchability for me, and it, as much as I would have loved to have seen Arnold in the movie. I still like this movie quite a bit. There we go. That's what I want to hear. Don't get me wrong. Everybody should watch this movie. It is a good movie to watch. Isn't it like Netflix's <laughs> like number one movie of all time or something? I think so. It's Netflix's, yeah, Netflix's number one original movie. And I don't think it's timing either. I think if this was Everything's Right in the World, that it would still have been Netflix's number one original movie. So there's a two coming. Oh, I, yeah. You got to go where the money's at, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do like Kenny's interpretation of the ending, so we'll see. Well, let's move on with our drama selection. For our drama movie, we chose Uncorked. It's directed by Prentice Penny and starring Mamadou Achi and available on Netflix. Elijah must balance his dream of becoming a master sommelier with his father's expectations that he can carry on the family's Memphis barbecue joint. What'd you guys think? All right, let, let me let me roll with my take on this on this movie. For for anybody out there, this was actually my pick. It was uh, I needed I needed something with substance to bring me back from Forbidden World. Oh, uh, and, and this was that movie that I felt 
would give me a little bit of that just real down home, make me feel good about being human again. So for me, this was an American story. You know, the character Eli is a third generation barbecue expert. His dad has rolled out the business. He's continuing to build what his father built. And the expectation is that his son follow in his footsteps, which to most of us out there, that's a pretty promising thing, right? You get the keys to the kingdom. You get to be the guy who continues to grow the family business. But this is not our character. Our character is looking for something else. He's looking for another calling and he's found it in wine and being a sommelier and that's the dream. Okay. So I do agree. The character itself is very lackluster. He's not aggressive. He's not passionate. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't seem to care about anything, but he keeps sort of muttering along in his journey halfway in to the family business halfway into his own dreams. But I think that's intentful. And as he goes through school and still trying to balance the restaurant, and then he goes to Paris for school, continuing his wine, his wine expertise, tragedy happens at home, and then things change for him again. So that kind of up and down for me was very realistic. It's very much the reality of most people who are trying to chase their dreams. It's not necessarily a money issue, but it's a life issue. And I really appreciated uh, that realistic take. Uh, Unlike the 80s movies where everybody wins, you know, throw a montage in there. Boom. All of a sudden, this guy's got everything he ever wanted. Not the case in this movie. There's a lot of struggle in there. And our, our hero, per se, is not the hero that you're probably looking for because he just doesn't seem like that spark. Two women in his life are driving him. And without those women, I'm not sure where he would have ended up. I actually liked the movie. It didn't have a lot of comedy in it, <laughs> but I give it a thumbs up for the storyline. I mean, wine in the ghetto or Bronx area. I mean, what, what can you... Can't go wrong with that, you know. I do think it was slow, and I'm and what's his name, Muhammad Athi, his name. Wow, butchered. Yeah, I don't think he <laughs> Ma- was that great of an actor. Ma- Mamadou Achi, right? That's his. That's Mama how you Achi. say. I was Eli. Achi. Mamadou Achi. Yeah, I was close. Come on, you can do this. Mamadou Achi. 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 John Travolta. This thing. Achi. He's going to listen to this podcast. He wants to be happy about his name. Mamadou. <laughs> Mama do what? Oh my god. <laughs> Mama do. <laughs> oh well, you know, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. It's a, it's a Dina Menzel moment right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways, again, I, I really I enjoyed the movie there. The the premise that he wants to be a master Somali. Somali? <laughs> Somali. A master yeah. Somali? Somali. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. <laughs> But, That's a whole nother part of the world, Arnaz. It is. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it was slow. It was kind of a, I didn't think it was going to be as depressing as it was or, but I can, I mean, there's movies like that. But it, it did have some cliche parts in there. I mean, just because it's in the ghetto, I didn't need to hear the hip hop. You know, the character, the lead character was not into that big hip hop rap style music there. So I Come think- Come on, man. It was the out. only thing I liked about the movie was oh. the music. There's, well, there's, a, there's a twist in the plot. <laughs> Kenny liked like the hip hop music. I'm not saying that hip hop you don't like. I'm just saying it was so blaring in your face. It was, Thank you. It was like getting hit with a hammer. I did not uh, think that it the didn't music. Fit. So so there's some parts where the music does fit, and there's some parts where the music does not fit. But to put it in every single part yeah. to me was just you didn't need to do that. You I mean, there are some choices made. There's like a ton of tracking shots. I mean, how many tracking shots do you need to show Paris? Like, I mean, like every time it's like, it's, it's tracking shot, tracking shot, tracking shot. Like, <laughs> you ready for me to jump in on this? We're ready. You, got, you both it. know how I feel about this movie. <laughs> oh, on, say here, you love this tongue. movie. I mean, just say you love this movie and then we'll move on. Love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was fantastic. It was, there you go. See, it was, it was like go. having my tongue nailed to this table every oh, morning. Oh, come on. The only thing this movie did for me is make me hungry for ribs. Okay? It's so bad. And so I, I just want to give the audience a little bit of background. We watched the trailer to this movie when Dell was selling this to us. He was like, guys, I could, let's watch this movie on Netflix. So we played the trailer. All right? I feel lied to. The trailer comes across like it's a comedy. It's not a comedy. All the funny moments are in the trailer. And then not only that, but the movie is just, but it's just so depressing. So depressing. So many bad things happen in this kid. Courtney B. Vance it gets top billing for this movie. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I like Courtney B. Vance. And he's one of those guys where when you see him in the movie, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that dude. So he's a, he's a very talented actor. He's not even in the movie that much. The movie's not about him. 
but he got top billing and he's in a trailer. Like the movie's about him. It's not about him. This kid is sullen. The dad is sullen. Everybody's sullen. Everything was. bad's happening. Oh, the mom was pretty lively. Yeah, she was. And she dies. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I said was. I said was pretty lively. <laughs> was pretty lively. So again, if you want to go with that too, like the positive bright spot of the movie dies. Okay. So it's just... Hey, but not before she dropped that line. She told the kid when he was trying to come home from Paris, she said, you in Paris. Do Paris stuff. Well, exactly. I say stuff, but you know what she said. I thought that was funny. Hey, that wasn't in the trailer, Ken. Yeah, that's true. And then we got like 18 tracking shots of Paris. So yeah, we got to enjoy <laughs> what he was doing in Paris is taking pictures in front of buildings. Remember, she's flipping through the phone. Oh, there's, there's, uh, he's in front of a building. There he is in front of it. We got to enjoy that too with all the tracking shots. Aww. So I, guys, I'm telling you, this movie to me was depressing. I didn't even, and for a movie like this that has this, what what would be considered a slow burn, right? It's a drama movie. So you're getting this slow burn, slow burn. It's going to build up. It's going to be something amazing at the end. And I don't get the payoff. Not only do I not get my bow at the end of the movie, but I also don't get my payoff with regards to him and his dad working their things out together in a manner that comes across like I should care. It almost gets to the point where they're looking at each other and go, yeah, so, uh, I don't want to be part of the barbecue joint business. Yeah, all right, that sounds good, man. Go do, go do you. Yeah, all right, sounds good. Moving so, on. so that, but that, but that <laughs> happens in the ending, right? So, in the ending, with the last few minutes of the movie going on, they show the father with his wood vendor, and he's talking about which pieces of wood he's going to purchase. At which time, he gets a phone call from his son, and he just says, "Uh huh, uh huh, yeah, okay." And he hangs up the phone, and the guy that he's buying the wood from asks him, "Oh, is that your son?" He goes, yes, it was. He doesn't want no part of the business. I guess not. To me, the father's reaction is one of, okay. Because, and at the same time, I'm thinking, why is it okay now? And it never was in the past. Why not give him a little bit of grief like he did before? But in the next scene that follows, we see Eli back in school, but this time he's loud. He's confident. You can see that when he's looking at his paperwork and he's in the classroom and he's talking loudly, louder than anyone else in the classroom, you can see that that passion that we've been waiting for this entire movie is there. And that's why the dad's okay with what's going on. Eli now knows this is what he wants. This is the dream he wants to chase. And he is going to go get this no matter what. Enter 80s montage. And hopefully he got the master some all day. And see, that's what I need. I, I, need, well, can- I, I need that feel good at the end. I need to see him win. Well, I just gave it to you. Oh, you, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's you it, make yeah, it worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I, I'm never going to watch this movie again anyway. I'll take it. It's well, not kidding. <laughs> how about when two comes out? When Uncork two comes out, will you watch it then? No. Maybe they will give you that ending because, <laughs> so maybe he will be a I mean, what's, master. What's it going to be? Will, Uncork two more barbecue? I mean, I didn't. Yes, with wine. Well, yeah, with wine. He's got to join the two worlds together. Exactly. Which is entirely and possible. He, he was trying to do that, by the way. He was trying to pair them up, remember? I know, Dell, and I remember the section in the movie where the dad was building a bar specific to him so that he could do the wine thing there. What a red herring that turned out to be. I mean, he had this perfect moment to like achieve all the things he wants and know, be but part the, of the business. The dad, the dad kept the bar. And the bar is still there waiting for this kid so he to could get be. his thing and he's going to come back. And in episode, in, in, in the second movie, yeah, we're yeah. going to see all that come together <laughs> and it's going to be an even better movie. And you're going to love it. That's right. The pairing of the two. I, I, I tell you what, I will watch part two if you forgive me for Forbidden World. That's the only way I'm going to watch part two. It's the only way you're going to get me to watch part two is if I get forgiven oh, for Forbidden World. And I'll be sure to sit in the of the week barbecue. <laughs> no, I think we're just going to have to go with Kenny. Doesn't like <laughs> I, I think we're just going to have to stick with that. Oh, come on. I, I, there's a part of this movie where I feel like there's just certain dynamics that we don't get. And what you guys took away from it in terms of the sullen, dramatic feature of it of it being like an everyday character i think i like the more dramatized varsity blues style i don't want your life i need that for me to get to get satisfaction out of what i'm watching and whether good or bad or indifferent i didn't think the main actor was very compelling and i didn't find him demanding my attention yeah, so, it's funny because i found the genius in him not being compelling well i think that's what his character was most is meant to be i don't think he was good acting at it really yeah. Only sold me. I just thought he was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I saw him in uh, that movie Under Underwater. His character was a little bit more upbeat and stuff, and I could believe that. As oh, he's sl- he slated to be in the next Jurassic as well. Is he? Okay. Yeah. His character will do better. He just seemed to lack some sort of charismatic 
hold my attention type of personality. Courtney B. Vance got that from me. And maybe it's because Courtney B. Vance has earned it from me over a history of other movies that I find him so recognizable that he commands my attention. But I didn't get that. And I didn't get... Mm. I found myself looking at my phone or staring at the ceiling <laughs> oh, or man. watching my dog lick its butt. And like, <laughs> it's, pretty bad. it's crazy because all the things that you don't like about this movie are all the things that I really liked about this movie. Well, you're a much more sensitive soul than me. Yeah, wow, you know, I'm, wow. I'm in touch. I'm in touch, baby. I'm in touch. You got to get there. You got to search. Give yourself a hug, Ken. Give yourself a hug. Just go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm in the middle. Like I said, I like the movie, but I'd have to say it's probably a one-time watch for me. If the two comes out, if they do make it two, I'll watch it just to see what uh, they follow up with. Uncork 2, Kenny's Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie for me. I think if I had known that it was a drama going into it, maybe I mentally I would have been more prepared to absorb what I was seeing. But because I thought I was going to get a comedy, going into the movie, I had certain expectations and then I immediately fell apart. I didn't oh, okay. get what I wanted. I got I got one for you then. Now you know it's a drama, right? Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Now, now you go watch Uncorked again, knowing it's a drama, all right? And the then we'll thing. talk. But you go watch it again, knowing it's a drama, and I'll forgive you for Forbidden World. What, you going to make me watch this again? <laughs> yeah, well, now you know it's a drama. And I think not now you know it's a drama, it'll be a better movie. So maybe, I, maybe. We'll, so I, I so really this is for discussion on the next podcast. <laughs> oh. you, yes. Yes. Yes, it is, Kenny. Yes, it is. All I right, think Gail right. should watch Forbidden World again, too. And then we revisit these two. <laughs> no, I don't want to owe him twice. <laughs> oh, you, you, know what, you know one thing that I did find interesting really is not anything to do with plot or characters or not. In the wine stores, I thought I was going nuts. All the labels are blurry, but they're blurry in such a way that you, unless you're really looking at them, you would never notice. But I noticed it and then I had to kind of rewind it and look better. And I was thinking maybe I'm, maybe my eyes are blurry, maybe the shot. But no, I think they purposely made those labels blurry for, you know, whatever licensing reasons maybe. But I thought it was really interesting. Just quirky stuff. I think that's a reason for Kenny to like this movie. And you're in yeah. California, Kenny. Come on. The Ken, Kenny's I, holding up a sign I mean, that says I no sale. I love no California. Sale. I love California wine. I just didn't like this movie. And did you learn anything about wine while you're watching the movie? I didn't <laughs> like this movie, and you can't hate me. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's round it up then. Okay. Well, uh, Kenny, I think we know where you're at. Go ahead and say it. Forbidden World Pass. Forbidden World Pass. Oh, oh. Forbidden World Pass. Now you but, realize that you can't throw out Forbidden World Pass on every single pass, right? This oh yeah, a, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and the only way I watch this again is to be forgiven for Forbidden World. <laughs> Outside of that, this is a Forbidden World Pass. This is a, this is a bad movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. Arnez. Well, I have to give it a pause. Like I said, I mean, it's a, a good one-time watch there. But other than that, I'm gonna leave it at that. All right, I'm gonna give it the play. Uh, for all the reasons that Kenny doesn't like it, I liked it. I thought Mamadou Aceh's portrayal of Eli was genius. I, I love the way that he came off sullen, but I, that's what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be a lost guy, a guy who's not quite dedicated enough to risk everything to achieve that dream. But I did like the way it turned out in the end. In the end, we did see the guy we were looking for the entire movie. And for me, that was the big payoff. I'll definitely give it play. And now our last selection is our horror flick, The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Whannell, starring Elizabeth Moss. It's available on a variety of digital retailers for rent, such as Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Fandango Now. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. All right, so I, I'll start with this one. Uh, I really, really love this movie. I thought it was the first truly amazing movie of 2020. I did get the opportunity to see it in a theater with a bunch of people, so I got to see some feedback from how other people absorb this movie, which is my bread and butter for going to the theater. I thought the method in which they introduced this Invisible Man was pretty ingenious. It was like they sat back and they said, okay, so what makes an Invisible Man scary nowadays? Like, How are we going to be able to scare an audience and make them interested in the new Invisible Man movie? And the first thing they did was they hired Elizabeth Moss, who is a tremendous actress, and she can make pretty much anything believable. So when I saw her in the role, I, I think the woman is a chameleon of an actress. I don't know if you saw The Kitchen, but it's a completely different character in that movie. And in that movie, she's believable. In The Handmaid's Tale, she's believable. She even has a comedy movie out there where she's actually pretty funny. She was in Mad Men. So she's, she's a chameleon. 
And I think that that helps this movie. And I don't think we could have gotten anybody else in the role. And so when they sat back and they said, how can we make a movie in 2020 that could scare people? Well, what if we made it so the protagonist thinks she's going crazy, but it's really him in The Invisible Man driving her nuts. And I thought it was an ingenious way to introduce it. It did kind of play off a little bit of The Hollow Man, which also used technology, but instead of inventing some technology that turned him completely invisible, we get a silicon mogul that emits a suit, which is almost plausible. It's something you could believe could happen today. He's got these million zillion little cameras all over his body. He's wearing the suit and he's able to use these cameras to make himself invisible. And I like the fact that in the beginning, you're not sure if it's him. You're not sure if he's really making her crazy or if she really is going crazy. Interesting to me that it, it plays on itself in the beginning of that movie to kind of give you those jump scares, which was amazing. You know, I have to agree with you there, Kenny. I thought this movie was just excellent for a horror movie to come out in 2020 there. I thought how they introduced the character was great. They actually set it up great to where she's running away from her husband there because he's mentally abusive there. I thought how they introduced the... They really didn't introduce husband as a antagonist or killer. I don't know what you want to call him as a killer. I mean, until, they, they gave you a sleeping with the enemy vibe that led you to believe that he was somewhat abusive, right? They did, but they yeah. didn't really show that he was, you know, being he was invisible. They didn't really show that he was doing a lot of this stuff. So you didn't really know, is she just going nuts or is it until, it ha- actually until they, the sister died in it. That's when you realize that, wait a minute, okay, somebody is there. We just don't know who it is. So right, and there's no point in the movie where we're led to understand that the ex was physically abusing her. You know, it was all verbal and mental abuse, which for most folks, that's that's the one that hits the most, right? Because it messes with your psyche. But there was no part that told us that he was physically abusive. Correct. But I mean, overall, with, with just that take on it made this a really excellent movie. I like Elizabeth the use Moss. of practical effects too, right? Yeah. Like I, I thought that was kind of cool too. Like they, they didn't have to hit you with a whole bunch of CGI and a whole bunch of craziness happening at once. So they give you some practical effects, which they also did. made it scary, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Because I think the original uh, Invisible Man wasn't scary. What wasn't meant to be scary. It meant to be kind of a, an action movie, wasn't it? The black and white one? Or any other ones. Hollow Man, the black and white ones. Plus- so the black and white one, I think, was very much supposed to be a horror movie. It was, it was part of Universal's original set of horror movies that had come out, I think, in the late okay. 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Or might have been the late 40s. It was black and white. Uh, and it was, it, it also played on special effects and mm. it, it may look a little cheese ball by today's standards, but for its day, it was pretty scary. And there were many people that thought the invisible man was, you know, probably a top five horror movie. Mm. Um, and then there was a weird time in the eighties where I think we got a Chevy chase picture. Oh, that was memoirs yes. of an invisible man with him yes, and no, Daryl no. Hannah. I remember that. So, now. Yeah. Yes. Dell's face says it all. He's got wow. this disgusted look on his face. <laughs> I'd like to keep forgetting about that one. <laughs> Oh, that was a long time ago. Wow. But, you know, you go back to that uh, original Invisible Man and then you flash forward to Halloween being launched and ushering in the era of the slasher movie, right? Then Scream came along and changed the game on the slasher movie, kind of gave it that little twist and turn to keep it complicated, put a little bit more thrills into the movie. I think this movie, it again, elevated that game. We had thrills, we had slasher type slasher movie bits of it in there. But that plot line for me, I think is much more complex as it as it nears the end. And I'll kind of elaborate a little more on why. The way that the movie played on its jump scares and the way it played with with your head as you watched it was probably very throwback. Kevin Bacon, Hollow Man version of this type of movie relied very heavily on CGI. This movie didn't do that. And I think that helped to it. And going back to what Arnez said about the sister, when she dies, that was like an incredible scene. I didn't see it coming, didn't know it was going to happen. And then when she got framed for it, I was like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. How long did it take you to notice that knife floating in the middle of the air? I didn't until it was over. (laughs) 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 Until he stuck it back in and threw it in her hand. He put it in her hand. You know why? You know why that scene is genius? It's genius because that knife. So if you go back and you watch this movie, that knife is actually there for a pretty good while. And nobody, including the two ladies that are sitting across from that knife, even realize it's there. But it's there. It's crazy. And the the whole floating in the air thing, like you said, I didn't even notice it until it was too late. It was there. It's crazy. Craziness. Man, what a powerful scene that was. Totally out of left field. Which makes it for a good horror movie. So how do you guys feel like this movie fits in with the Dark Universe? So originally, this movie was supposed to piggyback on the Dark Universe, which started with, I mean, technically, it started with Benicio Del Toro's werewolf movie. 
but it really, they were playing it mostly into Tom Cruise's mummy. If I'm to take away from this movie that this is supposed to somehow mix with the dark universe, do you think it works? Yeah, absolutely. I think it works. I think it can work. I just don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how either. All all three movies separately there, and I just don't see how that's going to... I don't see how this Invisible Man fits with Tom Cruise's mummy. And on top of that, based on the ending, I mean, we're led to believe she's the next... She's the Invisible Man. She keeps the suit, which... She keeps one of the suits. Yeah, I mean, let's I mean, let's discuss this ending first and then we'll we'll jump into this dark universe. But I mean, the ending itself leads you to believe that she's going to be the next invisible man. That's true. Well, well okay, back take it back to take it back to where the sister dies, right? Okay. From that scene, we're starting to see Moss's character kind of lose it. You know, like she's she's sane, but at the same time, maybe she's questioning her own sanity, right? And then things happen in the hospital where now she's not she's not crazy after all. She's she's totally coherent and she's figured out a way to expose the invisible man in the hospital and then make her great escape. But that's the scene that kind of shows us that there might be something off, like this stuff might be getting to her, right? Now you flash forward to the ending of the movie. The ending of the movie, she's, the ex is discovered in his basement. He's been, right? He's been held captive by the brother and the brother has been killed. And so the cops chalk it, hey, nice work. You caught the bad guy and we found your ex. He's alive after all. And he wants to make amends, right? And so all is sort of right in the world, but she's not buying that brand. She's still sold. My ex did this to me. Okay. She's at the house. They're having dinner. He's trying to make peace with his ex. He's trying to get her back. And then she changes the game, right? She puts on the suit. She kills him. Now, when I saw that up until that moment, there was nothing that happened in that movie that told me that the ex was guilty of anything other than being an ass in the way that he treated her, but he never physically abused her while they were together. And then we never saw him do anything physical to her afterwards. And so I'm led to believe, and this is just my interpretation of it, she, through all of these things that have happened, she now has the opportunity, she believes and made up a motive, kills her ex, and now she becomes herself psychotic. So you think it was the brother the whole time? Yes. Well, I mean, you think about it, Kenny, they don't really show the husband getting in and out of the suit. Right. So no, but at the same token, though, I mean, you have to believe, is is he somehow a superhero then? Because he gets stabbed like four times when he's at the at the asylum. And then after he's been stabbed four times, no, that's when you're led to believe he, he swaps he, out with the brother. He, and he's, he, we don't know who got stabbed. But you just said you think it's the brother. So if it's the brother that's in the suit, mm-hmm. all right, he's been stabbed I just yep. don't see him having the same aggression at the house when he shows up later on. I think Why he not? swaps out with the I think he swaps out with the ex and the ex is going to use the holes in his body to justify his being held captive. Uh, and I think there's also a play too when she's sitting at the table and she says, "I need to hear it. I need to hear you say it before we can move on on our relationship." And he sits next close to her and he says the word that he said to her in the suit, which is surprise and she she had to recognize the voice but you don't know that he said it in the suit because you can't see who said it but you don't think she could recognize her own boyfriend's voice just one Uh, word i'm sure she can but other people can sound like it especially his brother i'm not buying it i think it's him i think the final sell for that theory is that at the very end when she's leaving the ex's house and she the the cop is running up to the property. She looks extremely pleased with herself. And I don't care if you're doing this for vengeance or whatever the heck you're, you're doing that for. A regular person, a normal person, a sane person cannot justify it to that degree where they're completely happy with what they just did. And she's so happy with herself. And she's even kind of telling the cop, hey, man, you're welcome. <laughs> Anything's possible, but I mean, I mean, I get your point, Dell. But I, I think she's more of the line, just relieved. She's she was able to end it. She I've she seen, didn't run away I've, from it. She ended. I've seen it. relieved. That's not relieved. That's I'm very <laughs> pleased with myself and my actions. I'm very happy with what I've just done. I mean, for someone that's been through such a traumatic experience, he killed her sister. We don't know. In front of her. her. We don't I mean, know he killed her. I, I mean, I think, it, I think it's him. I think you it's think him. He all killed her, but yeah. we don't know that he did. She got revenge on her, for her sister. Yeah, I can't get, yeah, I can't get beyond the fact that she recognized his voice. She knew it was him. Yeah. Mm, too weak. 
Why? Do it for me, man. Here's, I need more. A, I need. I need more than voice recognition to kill somebody. Here's <laughs> another question. Why, oh, hey, you sounded just like him. Bang, you're dead. Why would the brother make the deal for the kid like he did at the insane asylum if it wasn't? I mean, he's got maybe, no investment maybe in the, this. Maybe kid. the brother wants a nephew. No, maybe it's got to be the ex because he's the only one who cares enough to want this kid for her to have the baby. Because if you're the the brother, what do you care? The brother's nuts. What do you say? He's pro-life and he just doesn't want it to happen? (laughs) The brother, the brother, he put his own, uh, he put his own brother in, in prison in his own house and he started torturing his ex. His brother's nuts. But they gave us no reason why he would do that. Yeah. I mean, I can throw the same. I can throw the same thing back at you about the whole like. There's no no evidence to support that he would even want the kid. And my evidence is that she shot him, and he was the guy in the suit. And there's my evidence. Uh huh. Mm. Mm Hmm. Your evidence that she shot him at the house. But he was he was shot while wearing the suit after attacking them. Right. And there's my evidence. Not wearing any stab wounds. It doesn't matter. There's my evidence that he is guilty. So where's your evidence that the ex is guilty? I mean, I think it's multiple evidences. I think it's the fact that she recognized his voice. The fact that he makes this deal for the child, which the brother would have no say in it. He wouldn't really want the kid. Again, there's no proof that the ex made the deal. I mean, the only proof you got is the fact that they found him dead in the suit. You're, you're assuming with no stab wounds at all from what he what he what he got That's at the true. asylum. Yeah, but he was in the suit and he was caught trying to kill them with no stab. But he was in the suit with no stab wounds. So doesn't matter. <laughs> it does matter. She stabbed him like four times. We I I'm still going. I'm still going to go with. I did not see the ex do anything. I did not see any proof of that either. No Look, proof that she stabbed him. It, no proof be, that he resorted. It would wounds. be different if she was at his house at the ending of that movie and he did something to where she saw the stab wound and now she connected the two and now she goes and kills him. That'd be different for me. But that's not what happened. Well, they didn't show that. Of course they didn't show it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a brother either. I agree with and, and and thusly we get the invisible woman. See? You know <laughs> that goes. Huh? We'll, we'll see if they decide to merge the that. movies. You sound right? like a magician. And we get an invisible woman. <laughs> we'll just have to see when the invisible woman comes out. Yeah, I have to believe right. they're going to make invisible a woman. Right, totally fits we'll today. See. Yeah, I, I believe they'll they'll probably make a sequel to this movie. I think it's a good one off. I think it's a good one watch. Not one watch, but one one movie. Like I would be happy if they just left it alone and said, "Here's your movie." But I agree, it it it, it has set up very nicely for a sequel. Especially Universal still trying to get this dark universe thing off the ground, which from yeah, everything I've read, said so they pretty much killed it. I don't know how it would all tie together, but if Tom Cruise is involved, I'm sure it will work. I do like Tom Cruise. Too. <laughs> you know, he's filming a movie in space, right? Might be how they're going to connect all of this. At the mummy in space? <laughs> <laughs> or is that Space Force? <laughs> no, no, that's a Steve Carell's. And that's the new Netflix show, right? Correct. Well, that's a show. This is a movie. (laughs) (laughs) That was my theory on The Invisible Man. I I like that. I'm sticking with that theory. I'm going to hold to that theory. It's different. I don't agree with it. I think it's I think it's the ex. I think you're led to believe it's the ex. I agree. You don't get any evidence of any physical abuse, but I do believe he was definitely abusing her in some manner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she can't even walk out of her house to get her mail. Clearly, she's been abused. Maybe somebody so. brings it in. It was a pretty nice house. I mean, <laughs> don't you remember when she was at the house though? And she couldn't step outside to go to the get go to the mail. Maybe she, he was keep. Maybe he was uh, enforcing social distancing practices. <laughs> See, now just All right, I'm lost now. now. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to justify it. <laughs> I'm pulling, guys. I'm pulling. I'm scraping it. Yes, he's scraping. <laughs> you hook Kenny, though. Yeah. Like, uh, you keep me going all day. I'm like a wind-up doll. He's like, hey, watch Kenny spin. Watch him. Watch him. <laughs> it was the brother. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's round robin this thing. What do you guys got? 
Well, it's a play for me. Again, I, I think it's a great horror movie there, and I would recommend it, and I would even own it someday. Yeah, you know what? It's a play for me as far as horror movies go. This is just a good movie all around. I think anybody, whether you like the horror genre or not, will enjoy this movie. And I think if you're like the three of us, there are other interpretations to to have in this movie itself. So it's pretty complex. I think it's a great watch. I agree. I also give it a play. I think it is a definitely more than a one-time watch. I think you will get more out of it the second and third time you watch the movie, especially like uh, Dell was saying, where you don't see the knife slitting the sister's throat coming, but when you know it's coming, it'll be interesting to see how long it sits in the air before it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we go, let's recap our recommendations for each movie. So we'll start with our action movie. What do we give extraction? I gave it a play pause. And I also gave it a play uncorked. I gave that a pause. Big time play. Forbidden World Pass. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, The Invisible Man. It was a play. Definitely a play. And I agree. I, I also believe it was a play. That's well, amazing. Before- <laughs> I think that's the first time that, Is that, that has happened. I, I think so. I mean, oh, right. do we count Endgame? I mean, we all thought that was a play. We, we, we never <laughs> talked about Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the podcast, but we talked right, about right. <laughs> That's true. I'm just letting everybody know out there, this is a rare occasion where the three of us agree on a single movie. Yeah, I agree with that. That's true. See, we all agreed again. It's catching. And from this point forward, the podcast will suck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we sign off, for you military folks out there, active, reserve, or retired, we'd love to hear from you too. What are the movie favorites in your unit's movie locker? We'd like to introduce a segment called The Movie Locker in which we discuss what movies make it into the regular rotation while on deployment. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. So drop us an email and let us know. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast listening app. We'd love to hear from you on email or social media. You can email us online at brothersinarmchairspodcast at gmail.com. That's brothersinarmchairspodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Twitter at broarmchairs. Again, that's at broarmchairs. Please join our Facebook group, Brothers in Armchairs Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Armchairs Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we hope that you'll catch us on our next episode, which will be a Memorial Day special. In addition, that same week, we'll be reviewing the film festival that will be held on YouTube. So please tune in. And for myself, Arnaz, and Del, this has been Brothers in Armchairs Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao. Aloha. Hey, it's Arnez. How you doing, everybody? I'm the oldest of the bunch, which is not a bad thing, because as I put it, I've seen a lot more movies than these guys there, so I'm always right. It's a good movie. It's a bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What is that? We're not even 30 seconds in. What is that? (laughs) Come on. Come on. You know, all right, all right, all right. Okay. This is this is the interrupting Dell. All right. All right. So 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 a little bit about me. My 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 passion for dude, this guy's killing me. Killing me. That we gotta get past 30 seconds. We gotta get past 30 seconds. Oh man. All right. What was, what is that? Is that you knocking into it? What is that? Locking into what? Your, your mic. What makes that noise? It ain't me. I'm not. It ain't me. Up. I ain't touched nothing. <laughs> that. What is that? <laughs> That's moved me moving the mic, but I didn't move it earlier. You did something. Uh, what about that? Is that? Is that something? Bump, bump your table. Bump your table. You made some noise. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> I was like, I thought I was. Yeah, oh, that, whatever see, that, that is. That, what is that's that? That's that. That's the paper. Really? You heard that? Uh, uh, yes. All right, Mr. Cronkite. Okay. But cut, cut, cut. We got to get past 30 seconds. Come on, man. <laughs> I tested earlier and you said you didn't hear the paper. Oh, man. Yeah, I keep hearing it. Whatever the hell that is. That was great. Dell's trying to give his segment. We we can't hold it. Is <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Get your stuff set up over there. It's quiet. I'll do it quieter. That's what happens when you got everything right in front of your knees. I'm not touching everything with my knees. You're doing something. I lifted the paper. <laughs> <laughs>
you aren't you sitting on a couch? Put the papers on the couch. I've got other papers on the couch. How much paper? Are you surrounded by paper? I've got three sheets of paper. I don't want to flip anything. <laughs> and do all three sheets of paper need to be set neatly apart from each other? Is that what's going on? I don't want to move like I did last time. So can I save like- this? Please tell me I can save this. <laughs> Oh man! I don't want to have to lift anything. Last time you said, "What are you doing with the paper?" Again, whatever that is. <laughs> are you hearing? Yes. Hear yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god! It, it's so loud that your voice doesn't come through. It's that loud. Yeah. I wonder. Hold on. Let me see if my microphone switched over to All my. Right. I know you got a whole bunch of tools because I saw that thing you hung in the backyard. So what you do is drill some holes at the, on the roof, <laughs> and I want you to tie some string to the holes and just have these papers floating in the air. And all you got to do is turn your head to the left or right to see your notes. You know, that's not a bad idea. I can take the pin to the wall. <laughs> ceiling. He's just, he's got papers hanging from the ceiling. He's... <laughs> I can put them in front of me like a prompt. Now, now, the visual I have in my head is that Tom Green visual where he has all the sausages hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> Daddy, do you want some sausage? <laughs> okay. All right, we got to try this again. Yeah, yeah. I think we take it from the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think uh, right with you can Arnez can just start with his with his narrative and then. Yeah, yeah. You should try again, Arnez. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, really. Yes. Okay. Breathe. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, help Kitty. Stop laughing there. (laughs) You finished laughing, man? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. You make me laugh. I'm going to cover you up, man. There we go. There we go. Oh, there you go. Get Cartoon Kenny. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's Arnez. Uh, I'm the oldest of the bunch, and uh, which is not a bad thing because I've seen a lot of movies there and uh, been around a lot longer. So, again, uh, welcome back and looking forward to it. Arnez, is that it? Yes. That That's the whole thing? Well, I want to leave them for more. I don't want to keep it my whole life story. <laughs> <laughs> you said a little bit every time. What else do you want me to give them? You know what? I'm going to start with me. We're going to start with me. i will work our way back around. Arnez can go last. Okay, Arnez last. All right, let's do that. Let's do that. 